0: So an eventful week in Giants training camp. You know, we're seeing guys come and guys come. You saw Todd Davis, the linebacker, announce his retirement just a couple of days after he was brought in. Now Joe Looney, it's been announced, has announced his retirement less than a week after he was brought in. So what do you make of this? Why the turnover? You know, are there any ominous signs here? If you're a Giants fan looking at this organization, thinking about, you know, is there something systemically wrong with the culture of this organization? Is there something that once these players are getting in there, they're realizing isn't quite right and want to get out? You know, it's it's natural to have those, to to, to to feel that maybe that there's something awry? I wouldn't say so. I mean, you you hear what Todd Davis said last week after he retired. He had nothing but praise for the Giants coaches. He said they've got a great coaching staff. They're doing things the right way. And he expects them to be really good. Joe Looney today came out and cited his reasons for retiring, saying that he just didn't feel like he can give the coaches, give his teammates, give this team what he needed to give them. That his body uh, just wasn't able to catch up with his heart and what he was wanting to give to this team and didn't want to take up a roster spot. Almost felt like it would have been disrespectful to offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, head coach Joe Judge, and his, two, and his new teammates to stay in there and, and not be able to give it everything that he thought he deserved to give them. So, you know, obviously you don't want to see this kind of turnover. It's, it's been a little unusual to see guys come and guys go so quickly within a matter of days. But, you know, this is the time to make these roster moves. This is the time to sort of flesh out, filter out who's cut out to be here and who's not cut out to be here. Let's face it, and, you know, Joe Judge has made no secret about this. Anyone who follows this Giants team even a little bit knows that it's a pretty rigorous culture that's being built here by Joe Judge. Um, As players have said after the Kelvin Benjamin episode, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. We're learning that now. Uh, There is a standard that you have to be able to live up to here to be a part of this organization, a level of effort – and it's very demanding. If you're not able to fulfill those demands physically, mentally, emotionally, if you're not all in for this team, Joe Judge is sending a clear message that there's no place for you here. And players are coming in and realizing, you know what, I just I can't give to this team what Joe Judge is asking of its players. And so, you know, you'd rather these things kind of work themselves out now on august 4th then on september 4th october 4th where now you're shuffling midweek as you're trying to prepare for a game to reshuffle your roster rebuild your offensive line rebuild your linebacking room whatever it may be whoever you're losing there are adjustments that have to come with now replacing that guy now's the time to be doing that because think about it what's training camp for? training camp is to determine the haves and the have-nots, right? Unfortunately, that's the reality of the business, especially if you're Joe Judge and if you're the Giants, who's cut out to be here and who's not. And so, while it's concerning on the surface, you know, it's all happening for a reason. I said this earlier about the yesterday's brawl. You know, some have said How can you have something like this happen? This is a terrible reflection on the organization, the coach, that he's sitting there cussing out these players. I would say the jury's still out. This is only as good or as bad as the spillover effects might be. And we're going to find out what those spillover effects are. I've heard reports in the locker room after the brawl. Guys were in the locker room laughing and joking. There was a very family-like atmosphere in that locker room. Joe Judge was... Still pretty pissed off, as I'm sure he is today. But the message is clear. These kinds of things are going to happen. Maybe not quite to the level, to the extent that it happened yesterday. You could argue Evan Ingram overreacted. They posted the video of the hit that Xavier McKinney put on Corey Clement. Wasn't that terrible of a hit. If that was a hit that had been delivered during a game, probably not the most egregious hit you'll ever see. Maybe somewhat of an egregious hit for training camp. Don't know. I've also heard it said that there wasn't supposed to be that heavy of contact. That contact that was made on Clement was probably a little bit heavier than what they would have wanted in day one of pads. You could also argue, though, that Evan Ingram totally overreacted. I understand Evan Ingram was trying to protect his teammate on the offense, Corey Clement, but you know Evan Ingram going in there and shoving Xavier McKinney or Jabril Peppers or whoever it was that he shoved, we're not quite clear on that. And then Logan Ryan coming in and retaliating against them. There's a fire. There's a competitiveness. Peter Schrager this morning on the NFL Network talked about how you know this was like a ticking time bomb, to paraphrase. The fuse was lit and nobody should be disappointed or surprised by this brawl because maybe this was in the makings and in the works for a long time. You know, It's a very demanding culture what Joe Judge is trying to build. As I've said, not everyone's cut out for it. It's very competitive. Logan Ryan told us last night, we're tired of losing. These players are tired of losing. The fans are tired of losing. And so there's a mindset that we're going to attack every single day. The offense wants to kick ass. The defense wants to kick ass. For almost a week after training camp kicked off, the defense was kicking the offense's ass. Daniel Jones was doing nothing. The receivers weren't getting open. Gallaudet was continuously frustrated by... James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, every single guy that Patrick Graham's defense threw at him was shutting Galladay down. There was frustration there. Obviously, in the first day of pads, the Giants offense came out with a mission, a purpose, to turn things around, to win that day. That's probably not something that the defense took too kindly. The defense wants to go out there and kick ass every day themselves. So, On the first day that the offense fights back, first day in pads, first day you're hitting guys, there's going to be a tension there. And when you layer that tension on top of what's already a fiery room, a competitive room, a room that's tired of losing, you get a situation like you had. But it doesn't have to be a bad thing so much as long as the Giants don't allow it to turn into bad things. Is the brawl yesterday a symptom of a much greater, more underlying serious disease amongst this team? Is this team going to be defined by fights and retaliation that can cost them yards and points in games, wins? Cost them those wins? Or is this really just an indicator of how close-knit this team is? How much they care about winning? How much they hate losing? Time will tell. I tend to think it's the latter. And maybe I'm looking at this with my blue-colored glasses on. (laughs) My Giants bias that I obviously don't shy away from but I like to think that I also like to call a spade a spade, even if it's my team that I'm talking about. I really think that this is a close-knit, galvanized group of guys. I believe Logan Ryan, when he says this is strictly between the lines, purely professional, pure business, nothing personal here. Someone quipped when asked, you know, what was the first thing Logan Ryan and Evan Ingram said to each other after the brawl? It was, what's for lunch? Don't know if that's really what happened. We don't have confirmation on that. But it's believable. It's believable because I believe that there is a tight-knit group of guys in that locker room. There's an old Japanese proverb, the protruding nail shall be hammered. And I really believe that that's something that Joe Judge's team is espousing. That you're here, you're all in, the culture of this team, what we're trying to represent our identity, or you're not. And you're going to adhere to that identity. You're going to adhere to that work ethic. You're going to be the kind of player, the kind of man that we want you in this room, or you're not going to be in this room. And if you can't give that to us, then you don't belong here and you're not going to be here. It's kind of like, sounds like the Patriot way, right? Where Joe Judge spent a lot of, enti- a lot of his time and was surely heavily influenced by. So we'll see. We'll see. No one's suggesting Joe Judge is Bill Belichick. No one's suggesting anyone on the Giants is even close to a level of, say, a Tom Brady. We obviously don't have any rings to to show for any of that yet. But you can see here what they're trying to build. And I, for one, and I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, fully approve of that approach. Because for too long, there was a lack of accountability in this facility. Pat Shermer, nice guy. But not the tough guy, CEO-minded head coach that they needed at the time. Ben McAdoo, not so well-liked by his players. Certainly lost the locker room when benching Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith. A move that, as we look back on in retrospect, just keeps keeps us laughing. Does it not? So I think this organization, this team, is headed in the right direction. I really do. Now... Rubber has to meet the road. Go out there and win games. Go out there and score points. We're tired of seeing this team average 17 points a game. Go out there and score points. There's no more excuses. Daniel Jones has the weapons. He's got a true number one guy in Kenny Galladay. Got encouraging news on him, by the way, today that the hamstring injury is just a tweak and not a strain. Doesn't seem like that much of a distinction, but that is a very important distinction and could mean that he won't really miss a whole lot of time. Strains are graded, grade one through three, and depending on the grade, the severity of that strain could mean longer recovery times. But assuming that it's not going to be categorized as a strain, but rather a tweak, that is super encouraging news. Best scenario possible. So you get him back, and you get him back healthy. He's your true WR1. Guy sacrifices his body, which is also why you hope he stays healthy, because he'll get in there for those 50-50 balls and completely disregard his body and sacrifice his body. Not blazing speed, from what I understand, but he will get in there and he will fight for every loose ball, and you'll never be able to question his effort. That's the understanding, obviously, we have of Kenny Galladay watching his film from the Lions. We assume he's going to bring that same approach here. So, a lot of opportunities here for Daniel Jones. He's got weapons around him. Kadarius Toney, a lot of raw talent. Obviously is going to need quite a bit of refinement in this league, perhaps, at running routes. And whatever else they ask him to do, if they ask him to block or be a supporting guy in any of these plays in order for them to execute properly. But a lot of raw talent there, a lot of raw speed. Tough runner. Runs through guys, isn't afraid of contact, isn't afraid of traffic. He can elude it, he can run right through it. You know, We saw that on all his Florida tape. Sterling Shepard is going to play a role he's much more comfortable in, in the slot. He's that slithery receiver who can get into tight spaces, has great hands. Evan Ingram, tremendous speed. You just wonder about between the ears with him a little bit. He dropped a lot of balls last year that should have been caught. Not to digress, but we, the critics talk about Daniel Jones as a turnover machine. The only interception that Daniel Jones threw in the last, I would say, eight games or so of last season was a ball that went right through Evan Ingram's hands over the middle, perfectly thrown, and inexplicably went right through Ingram's fingers and into a Cowboys DB. That was week 17. That was the only interception he threw. All those last remaining weeks, I think it was, I believe it was eight weeks or ten weeks, something along those lines. It's the only one he threw, and it wasn't even his fault. Nine out of ten receivers catch that ball. So Evan Ingram, incredible talent, incredible speed. Just has to make sure his mind is right. Just has to make sure that when he's in the game, his mind is fully in the game, and he's catching those balls he's supposed to be catching. I hear so far... He hasn't dropped the ball yet. He's been amazing. He's in incredible shape, maybe the best shape of his life. Joe Judge swears by Evan Ingram, loves Evan Ingram, adores his work ethic, adores the kind of guy he is. Great locker room presence, humble, workmanlike. He's just got to do it more consistently on the field. And then, of course, the offensive line, Right? Young. They were looking for Joe Looney to provide some veteran leadership. He didn't feel like he was in the right proper football condition to be able to do that, as we said off the top of this. But clearly the Giants are preparing. They know they have a young offensive line. They believe in that young offensive line, but they're also contingency planning, as they should, trying to build a deep offensive line of experienced backups in case these young starters really struggle or get injured. You always have to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. It's prudent of them and wise to show confidence in their young offensive line while still preparing for something were to go wrong. Daniel Jones is your prized possession. He'll have a good year if the players around him are offering the protection and the pocket that he needs the space and time that he needs to find receivers and for those receivers to get open, get separation, which they couldn't do much of last year. If all those things happen, Daniel Jones statistically has shown he's one of the best passers in the NFL, especially on deep balls. And Jason Garrett has to open up that playbook. They didn't attempt many deep field throws last year, but when they did... There were very few quarterbacks in the NFL as proficient as he was in completing those passes. So he's got great touch on the ball. He knows when to zip one in there, and he knows when to put air under it as well. He's got a very good feel for the field where his players are and how to get them the ball. But he needs help. He needs a pocket within which to operate, and he needs receivers to get separation, and he needs those receivers to catch the ball which means their heads have to be in the right place, too. It can happen. It is possible. There is plenty of talent on this team. Now go do it. You say you're tired of losing? Go show us. We're tired of it, too. The last time the Giants won a playoff game was Super Bowl Forty Six. They haven't been to a playoff game since 2016. The famous boat parade. The famous boat party. So, enough talk, let's go do it. So we'll see if this fieriness, this chippiness, this, this competitiveness, which they tell us is going to serve them well and keep that locker room even more closely knit than ever before, will actually translate into more wins. That's the end-all, be-all. Otherwise, none of this will matter. And Daniel Jones's job will be in jeopardy. And maybe not this year, but in a few years few more years of that, of losing. Joe Judge's job will be in jeopardy. So a lot at stake here as we sit on August 4th, only a week into training camp, only day two of pads. This is a story that, you know, we're just in the prologue of. A lot can still happen, evolve and change. And it seems like you look at Giants news every day, it's dizzying. Now with the news of Joe Looney out, retiring, back to the drawing board to try to build depth along that offensive line. The offensive line has been the Achilles heel of this organization for so many years, since the days of Chris Snee and Rich Soibert, Sean O'Hara. That was the last great offensive line we had. So we need to see that offensive line back to prominence in order for this entire offense to function. So interesting moves here. Turnover. Day two of pads begins a little over an hour from now. We'll see what comes of that tonight. A a night practice should be interesting. I'll have more observations and updates on that practice in forthcoming podcasts. Uh, But it should be interesting to see how things unfold here. An ever-fluid, evolving training camp, but also exciting as well as the Giants embark on what seems like their first, hopefully, winning season in a long time and really trying to make a strong push to winning this division in the playoffs. Brick by brick, every single day, you're looking for this team to progress and get better, for Joe Judge's culture and identity to continue to ooze through these players, and to build something lasting, not just some flash-in-the-pan hot season, but something lasting, something sustainable, something that we as Giants fans can be proud of, not just for this upcoming season, but for many years to come, a new, hopefully, maybe, Giants way, just as there's a Patriot way establishing a Giants way. Thanks for listening. More to come. Be well.